You're listening to Take Care from WRVO Public Media. I'm Jason Smith. And I'm Catherine Loper. We're jumping back into the issue of infertility now with Karen Jeffries. She's a schoolteacher and part-time comedian, and she's also infertile. You may be wondering how anything about infertility could be funny, but in her book, Hilariously Infertile, Jeffries points out where even the clinical can become hysterical, from cleaning and buffing sperm to having a Costco amount of eggs with nowhere to go. We've all laughed in an uncomfortable or sad situation. Humor can be a coping mechanism, and maybe pointing out the craziness that often surrounds a difficult situation can bring about change. You'll hear more of what we mean in our interview with author Karen Jeffries. Thanks for joining us, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. So you talk about your infertility in a humorous way, but let's just start with your story. How did you first learn that you were having issues with infertility? That's a great question. So I had no idea that I was infertile. My husband and I started trying and I wasn't getting my period for months and months and months, but I also was receiving negative pregnancy test results. So I didn't understand like what was happening to my body. I was very confused. And I went to my regular OBGYN and she started me on a round of Clomid and nothing happened. And then the next month we did another round of Clomid and nothing happened. And it was actually like a Friday afternoon in December that she called me and she left me a voicemail and she said, I think that you have PCOS, which stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome and I want you to see the fertility clinic down the street and it was Friday and like she was gonna be out of the office until until Monday morning and so naturally I took to Google and I googled what PCOS was and I was very very shocked and very upset when I saw that it just said infertility infertile can't get pregnant I was pretty much a wreck so yeah and for listeners who don't know Clomid is a drug that helps stimulate your ovaries Yes, that's correct. Yes. So you were taking that, but it wasn't doing anything, and PCOS seemed to be the cause. Yes, exactly. And like other things we have, other diseases or medical conditions we've talked about, Googling can sometimes be the worst thing to do because you find out there's nothing to do or it's a terrible thing. But eventually, I think you came to see PCOS as both a good and a bad thing. Is that correct? Yeah, so when I went to my fertility clinic in New York City, the doctor who I saw a few weeks later was very positive, and he said, you know, PCOS, it is a bad thing, but it's also a good thing. It's good because it means that you have a ton of eggs. Like, I joke, like, it's like a Costco amount of eggs that I have, but it's a bad thing because if you picture, an o- like, your ovary, I like to picture it kind of like an overgrown garden because there's so many eggs that no one egg can actually grow and become dominant and then release down the fallopian tube. So I don't ovulate on my own. So kind of like an overgrown garden where like there's too much stuff, nothing can actually thrive or grow. So he was very positive and then we started with infertility treatments. And what was the specific treatment that they started you on? So my first round was an IUI, which stands for interuterine insemination and Clomid. I was on the Clomid for like more, a higher dosage of Clomid to make my ovaries actually start doing something. And then we did an IUI, which is basically my husband goes in and he gives his sperm donation and then they take that. They kind of, my doctor used like some funny terms to describe it, but he said that the lab on site would clean and buff my husband's sperm, which we just thought was just really, really funny. And then they basically put it back up inside of the female at the right time of the month when the egg has gone down into the uterus. And so then the hope is that it works. 
So I can already sense from hearing the beginnings of your story that some of it is very clinical and you go through these ups and these downs of there's no hope, there's hope. And some of it just seems a little bit sort of ridiculous, the way your doctor described what they do to the sperm, for example. So what were you thinking when you're going through all of this? I mean, most of it, when I was going through it, I was very alone. Like, I didn't have friends or family that had gone through it. I wasn't on any social media. So I definitely felt very alone. But there were some really, really funny parts to it that I was like, this is so funny. Like, why did he say clean and buff? You know what I mean? Like, there were just some things that I just, I, we just could not, like, stop laughing about. So it was that emotional, like, roller coaster, definitely, and very clinical. But at the same time, we were trying to find some light in it, some humor in it to, to get us or get me through the days. And you mentioned that feeling alone, which I think is what a lot of women feel when they first start going down this road. What did you see when you first arrived at that fertility clinic in the doctor's office in the waiting room? And here you're surrounded by all these women and sometimes husbands and partners, you know, who are going through the same thing. Yes. So my first day that I was going in for morning monitoring, which is when you go in and they take your blood and they do a transvaginal ultrasound to see how your follicles are looking and you do it periodically throughout your cycle so they know how you're kind of progressing. My first day, I was nervous, but I was excited because I was excited to meet other women that were going through what I was going through. I thought that I was going to like make friends and like we clearly have something in common. And when I got there, like no one talks to each other. Like no one talks, no one looks at each other. You don't say good morning. I, I tried like a little side smile one time and I was like, oh no, 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 no side smiles. And I, I came out and my husband's like, how was it? I'm like, it's like fight club. Like no one talks to each other. I don't understand why, but like, you know how like in fight club, it's like the first rule you don't talk about fight club. And that's how I felt because it was kind of like a funeral home. I don't know. And so I thought that was really interesting too. And then me being somewhat of a rule follower and somewhat of a rule breaker. Like I would sometimes be very respectful and other times I'd be like, hey, how's it going? Just to like see what people do. Cause I was like, come on people. Like we all have this in common, you know? So we're all here for the same reason. So yeah, it was very interesting. It does sound like a funeral home, honestly. That's the first thing that came to my mind. But I think that's because, like death, infertility is something that we haven't talked about in years past. But you decided to be very open about your struggles, and you started Hilariously Infertile on, on social media and your website, etc. Why did you decide to do that? So when I was going through it, I was always very open about what I was going through. I never really understood why people don't talk about it. Like any other medical issue that you go through, you talk about. Like my girlfriend went to the dentist the other day and like I know everything that happened at the dentist. You know what I mean? But like why we don't talk about this, I never really understood. So when I was going through it, I personally was very open about it. And then when I was on maternity leave with my second daughter, I was helping one of my friends and another family member through their cycles. And I was kind of my husband and I were like washing dishes one night and I was like, well, you know, so-and-so is ovulating, so it's go time for them. And I was like, and her follicles are at 17 millimeters. And he said, you know, I think you should write a book because you're helping people. And I just laughed him off thinking like, that's just ridiculous. You know, I don't have time or whatever. And I didn't do anything about it that day. And then a few weeks later, I started writing. I just opened up my laptop and I started writing and the book just poured out of me. Like it just 
In about five weeks, the complete book was done. And it's very, very similar to what is available now to buy. And as I was writing it, I just kept thinking like, this is funny and this is inappropriate and it's real and it's true. And it's the way that women really talk to each other when we're out with our best friends. And so that's when I decided that I needed to share it and that I needed to start the social media, which I never had before and like a website, I needed to get this out there. And then the response was just very overwhelming. How have people responded to it? Because it's a thing people haven't talked about in the past, I'm sure some people might not think it's very funny. So my whole thing is like, people are like, but infertility is not funny. And I'm like, you're right. Infertility is not funny. I mean, it's sad and heartbreaking. And the stories that I've heard since starting this platform and going forward with moving through all these different platforms that Hilariously Infertile is in now, like I've heard the most heart-wrenching anecdotes of people going through their infertility. However, there are some funny parts like the sperm donation or like the transvaginal ultrasound wand or you have to give shots in your in your butt and they, there are just things that are funny about it and everyone has these common stories that we all have to go through and then they are kind of funny. So I'm not saying that infertility is funny, even though that's kind of what the title of the book, Hilariously Infertile, but basically what I'm trying to do is explain that it's a very, very, very sad time in people's lives. And if I can get someone who's on their way to an appointment to crack a smile or to laugh a little bit, then I'm doing my job. And that's all I really want to do is just help people when they are sad going through it to maybe have a better day. Well, and is it kind of the theory if you don't laugh, you're going to cry? It's a coping mechanism. 100%. And it's so ridiculous. Like the stuff that people have to go through is in the hoops and the everything with like insurance and then this and then that. And then some people have to bring their sperm donation in the car, but you have to keep it warm. Like it's just like everything that people have to go through, like it's absolutely absurd. And so looking at that aspect of it, you know, you can find some humor. And that is what I'm trying to do. Just get people laughing a little bit. And, you know, they say laughter is the best medicine. And that's what I'm trying to do. And do you feel like when you were going through this, if there had been more moments of kindness or gentle humor that this would have helped you? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm actually, I actually, I was saying this the other day. I was like, I wish I had like, not to sound so prideful, but I wish that I had a me when I was going through this. Like, I wish I had a platform like Hilariously Infertile where I could go to and see these like funny memes or these funny images I completely resonate with that are what I'm going through at that moment. And so that I felt not alone because I did, I felt so alone. So I think that that is what I'm trying to do is just to, I wish I had it and I didn't, but I want to pass that on to people, anyone else who can. And you said the book just sort of poured out of you. Can you tell us what happened when you tried to approach publishers about this book? Yes. So I'm a school teacher. I teach fourth grade dual language, Spanish and English, and I don't know anything about publishing. So I just started submitting it to local publishing companies in New York City and local literary agents in New York City. And I either didn't hear anything back or what I heard back was we just don't think it's a big enough market. And that to me is what really, really fueled my fire because I was like, no, like that's the problem. The problem is that you don't think it's a big enough market, which means these people aren't talking about it and they're at home suffering in silence. And I was like, I just can't have that happen. So that's when I decided to get a website, start the social media and move forward that way. And then after about two years of having the social media platforms and I had put a few chapters of my book on my website, 
most things that I do are very follower driven. Like my followers were like, we need to get this book. Like we have to get this book. And I was like, okay, well maybe I'll self publish it. And my goal was just to make back the money that I spent to self-publish and it's been wild it's far surpassed my goal and it's still selling pretty rapidly so it's pretty awesome that's amazing that's a great story and do you feel like through your work and and your book and some of the more social media discussion about this topic that the tides are turning a little bit and are people getting a little bit more open about it I do. I think that people are really starting to realize that this is an issue that's affecting a lot of people throughout the world, not just in the United States, and that it affects men and women and older people, younger people. It really doesn't discriminate. And I think that people are starting to talk about it because they're starting to realize that there's nothing wrong with you. Like, I know I have PCOS. It doesn't mean there's, and there is, I guess, something technically wrong with me, but there's nothing wrong with me. Like, I'm not alone. I'm not this crazy person who's going through all these feelings and thoughts and emotions like I'm completely normal in everything that I'm thinking while I'm going through this process and I think that that's important that people really understand like everything that you're going through is normal and your thoughts and emotions are completely normal and we're gonna help you through this and we're gonna be open and honest about what's going on and I think also it being more of a theme that you see on tv and among celebrities coming out and saying that they've struggled with infertility I think is really helping just to lessen the stigma of infertility. Well we appreciate you telling us your story. Karen thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me.